Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Ruler Podcast, supported by Lacquer, bicycle insurance powered by the community. We're in Harrogate with an audience. Wow. <laughs> Not a very big audience, but an audience all the same. Uh, we're in the Corner House Bar. There is Belgian beer on tap. Nothing can possibly go wrong. I'm Ian Parkinson. I am with journalist, broadcaster and rouleur contributor Ned Bolting and the journalist, broadcaster and cyclist, of course, uh, Rebecca Charlton. So, uh, Ned, first of all, how long have you been up in uh, Harrogate? Have you been there, here since the beginning? Yep, I dived out for one day but I've been an ever-present ever hanging around like a bad odour. Um, it's been great. Uh, I arrived on Saturday, just gone for the, uh, the Paralympic events that were organised on the eve of the official beginnings of the World Championships and it was gorgeous sunny weather and the crowds were sort of five, eight deep on the finishing straights and it was a huge it was a triumph actually. It's a really good way to get it all underway. Only just uh, arrived today myself but it does seem that Harrogate has sort of uh, taken the world to its heart, hasn't it? I mean, Yorkshire welcome cycling, no surprise there I guess. Yeah, well that was never in doubt, wasn't it? You know, there were a lot of imponderables about these world championships but the one thing that was a given was that Yorkshire would embrace it. Um, and I think, I think they have, especially today when we're recording. Um, there's a buzz about the place, you know. A lot of these seeing the riders go out and ride reconnaissance. So they're filling up, the hotels are filling up, the, the airlines are full of uh, some of the biggest names and they're descending on Harrogate. And you really get that sense of vibe building now. Uh, the weekend's going to be absolutely mind-blowing. It's my first trip to the Worlds, actually. I've not been to the Worlds before, so I'm loving it, lapping it up. Rebecca, you only just arrived today, didn't you? What, what, what's your impressions of Harrogate and the world so far? Well, first things first, it's actually quite warm and sunny at the moment, um, which I think was not the case yesterday, was it, Ned? Oh, wow. <laughs> You'll have seen the clips on going viral yep. on social media. It was biblical. It was extraordinary. And that yeah. was sort of funny on social media, to an extent. It's hilarious. hilarious on social media, and thankfully no one got hurt. But there, there were some serious questions actually raised afterwards as well, weren't there, about whether it was safe to run um, a uh, time trial in those sort of conditions. It was more like, it was more like a water polo event. It's really difficult, isn't it? Once a time trial is underway, you can't stop it. Because you, you can't then restart it under different conditions, because that's very unfair as well. And they don't get stopped. You know, I was talking to David Miller um, uh, and said, did you ever take part in a time trial that got stopped uh, or even cancelled? And he went, no. <laughs> so, and that's all sorts of conditions. So it does, they don't get stopped. And um, although I, I think, you know, I think the only thing, I mean, it was exceptional circumstances. It was a bit of an alpine landslide situation. These things don't 
crop up that often. Um, but it did. I did think there could have been better marshalling, you know, just to, you know, there's, there should have been some high-vis characters out there with little flags, don't you think, Rebecca? Just kind of like uh, where those big puddles were, they caught the riders totally unawares, didn't they? I mean, I think that's the element to consider, isn't it? With a rider in a TT position, getting aero, and then coming up something like that, it's never easy. Um, but I guess you've just got to look at the factor of what time you go out, hope that it's the same for everybody, and... As you say, it was very sort of exceptional weather yesterday. I couldn't have predicted that, really. Um, But I want to pick up on your original question that I never answered. Um, So I came in uh, last night on the train, and it was just overwhelming. The flags everywhere, people pointing you where to go. And and straight out of the station, you know, you've got team cars, neutral service buzzing around, and there's just so much to see. And everybody has embraced it so much, haven't they? Yeah, just walking around the course uh, this morning, just hearing so many different languages, uh, from the supporters and um, the uh, local people as well cheering on every team that went past. You've put your, f- your nail on the head and all that because that's the difference. You know, I'm, I seem to spend half my life up here one way or the other. It started in 2014 and, you know, I, whether I'm up here for certain events or I come every year, of course, for the best part of a week for the Tour de Yorkshire, there is an identifiable Yorkshire thing going on there, but it's not an international event. It doesn't feel like an international event. And that's the difference here. You're right, there are Dutch, Norwegian fans, there are loads of Americans. I've met three separate people from America, one from Austin, Texas, another person, can't remember where they come from, someone from Birmingham, Alabama. Um, on, Travelling on their own, I, th- I wanted to introduce them to each other so they had a bit of kinship, you know, at various events, and they've just flown in to be at the Worlds, you know. And I think that is being repeated over and over again uh, along the side of the road. And that is totally different from the other events that Yorkshire have hosted over recent years. Of course, Yorkshire invented the Tour de France, didn't it? It totally did. Yorkshire invented cycling and the Tour de France. From the races so far, I guess, performance of the Worlds, Chloe Diger, quite extraordinary yesterday, wasn't it? The time trial? Yeah. Well, it was, I mean, I really, you know, Becca, I'd love to get your perspective on this, but from the very moment that the cameras picked her out and we started to follow her progress live, because she wasn't really, I mean, (laughs) with hindsight, it's ridiculous, but she she wasn't among the favourites. You know, not many people on the outside, perhaps a few shrewd people on the inside knew that she was going to go as well as she did. So anyway, the camera picked out this rider and she just looked different. I mean, markedly different. Her position on a bike? I mean, just this is a thing you don't often see, actually. The speed with which she was, you know, uh, riding was actually apparent. And that's actually quite unusual that that comes across on... on um, on television, it was helped by the fact that she just, you know, she caught her minute rider and then the next one, and then and she caught seven of her minute riders, you know. I mean, everything about that time trial was perfect. It was perfection, and when you catch your minute rider, that's one thing, it's, it's a clear indication, but you could see her stance on the bike. You know, she was so prepared for that. Technically, it was perfection. It really was. Um, I had a little chat earlier with uh, Nicola Cranmer, who, of course, works closely with her on the team. And she was just so ready for it. So I said to Nicola, you know, what was that time gap at the end expected? Were, were there any surprises for her there? But she said when she goes in this focused, actually, there, you know, she probably wasn't that surprised because she knew what she had. But the preparations in terms of how the team have looked after her have been perfect running up to the Worlds because she has been so unfortunate with injury and the team have had to keep that in mind and, and not sort of push her to a really heavy race schedule. Um, actually, last season, she only did 15 days on the road and previously to that, 
season before, 13 days. So to come in in the form she's had this year, I guess that's why she's perhaps a little bit of an unknown in some respects. But yeah, just clearly dominant. Incredible to watch her just pulling away from other riders like she was just on a, on a completely different gear. Yeah, I mean American time trialling is obviously they've hit upon something, you know it's not just her, hers is the most eye-catching stand-up performance but in the men's under 23 individual time trial as well, they picked up second in the silver and bronze, Brandon McNulty um, who's a fabulous talent by the way and he's going to be riding World Tour next year and Ian Garrison across the board they seem to have they seem to have up, up the game but um now that was uh, that was an extraordinary ride and to beat you know she wasn't beating nobody it was van der breggen and a rather out of sorts looking Annemiek van fluten who was put under severe pressure i think you know they the difficulty for those two riders is they very quickly knew on the road that the gold had gone there was no question about that no. so they knew internally these great champions van der breggen and, and van fluten that they they're the reason they'd pinned the number on that day was already taken away from them. So it must have been, with the road race to come as well, in these filthy conditions, motivation for those two must have been quite difficult. And Van Vluten looked really out of sorts, I thought. Yeah, and it must be an interesting one when you are used to being very, very dominant as well, to kind of switch that psychology to, to being slightly on the back foot in that circumstance. Yeah, it just became a tussle between those two for silver and bronze that uh, went the way of van der Breggen on this occasion. Had a bit of a wander around uh, this morning on the course. It's a, it's a pretty tough-looking course, particularly the bit around Harrogate, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's lumpy, isn't it? It's Yorkshire. <laughs> it's not flat. It's not <laughs> lumpy. It's, it's really, I, I, really steep. I, 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 I watched the, um, the, the Portuguese junior team out doing a bit of reconnaissance this morning, and I happened to be walking down on that f- kind of, it's almost iconic now, this, this, right, this 90 degree right hand turn uh, w- with 500 metres to go. And they were obviously, there were four of them, and they were obviously seeing it for the first time. And they'd gone, oh, okay, Flamarouche, here's the final kilometre, here's a right hander. And they collectively, all four of them, went effing and jeffing in Portuguese about the severity <laughs> of that last ramp. Because yeah. I'd forgotten, so I don't think I've been here since 2014. Oh, no, there's a Tour de Yorkshire stage that finished here, wasn't it? But I'd forgotten again how the Betty's Tea Room ramp actually looks. And it's, um, it's not nothing. It's not nothing. It might be nothing to Matthew van der Poel, but to everyone else on planet Earth, it's well, not yeah, nothing. Well, yeah, we'll talk about the, uh, we'll the favourites for the uh, men's and women's uh, road race uh, a bit later on. But, yeah, even the hill outside where we're sitting now, outside the cornhouse, I wouldn't like to walk up it, frankly, let alone race a bike up it. Ned, you've been here since the start, as you said. What, um, uh, what other highlights were there? Well, there have been plenty. I mean, the, the junior time trials, both for the women and the men produced um, uh, extraordinary wins. For the men, uh, a rider who I actually had heard a little bit about already because he's creating a bit of a buzz in Italy. He is a rider from a little town just southeast of uh, Rome, so the Lazio region, which doesn't traditionally produce the great champions in Italian cycling. Antonio Tiberi has been making waves in Italy. He is uh, that rare thing for an Italian uh, for Italian cycling culture. He is a obviously a, a very very top-level time trialist, but he also climbs. So he's like a, he's like a bit of a Pogaccia. He's, he's that kind of, you know, he's that kind of uh, rider. And I think there are a, lot of, a lot of hopes being pinned on him. What made his victory completely remarkable was that he rolled off the start ramp, instantly found that his bike wasn't working, unclipped, got set to side and received a new bike in record slow time. It was like he almost sat down in the team car, opened his thermos, had a sandwich, thought about it for a bit, checked Twitter, 
got back on his bike and then continued his time trial. So it was almost sunk before it got underway. And he won, I'm just checking the, the margin, he did this extraordinary negative split as a, as a result. So at the checkpoint halfway through, he was down by, you know, 45 seconds on everyone else and then came good in the, in the second half. And he won by just checking the margin of victory in the end or using this fabulous app. He won by uh, eight seconds in the end. And um, so, name for the future, Tiberi. Because they always say that, you know, if something goes wrong with the bike, the rider has to be very calm and yeah, wait yeah, for the mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, I would that not be a, calm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the, the, the women's race, the women's junior race, was won by a Russian, um, who I would challenge anybody here in the media set to tell me anything about, because she's a name from nowhere. But she's obviously phenomenally talented, Aigul Gariva. Now, I happen to be walking down this court, down to a thing at precisely the moment where, and I wasn't really following how the race was unfolding, so I just happened to be there when she finished her, her time trial. And on that final corner, she went straight on. She followed the bike, so the diversion there, that's where the motorbikes come off, and she, she followed the bike and went straight on and realised very quickly what she'd done, but very calmly just sort of like circled around and came back on and hit that final climb with absolutely no momentum whatsoever. And I thought... I saw her do it, and as she passed me on the climb, she looked totally unstressed and unfazed by it. So I assumed she, just, she must be just riding in in 78th place 10 minutes down on everyone else because she doesn't look bothered. Turns out she won. Um, so that was it. So both the winners of the, the junior time trials had, um, you know, had incidents that would have, should have sunk their challenge. But names to watch. Correct. Worth mentioning, uh, with a table full of South Londoners, that, of course, a certain South London cycling club had more riders in the junior uh, time trial than any country, actually. Which one would that be? That would be the Vela Club Londra. Top ten performances from uh, the two uh, VCL uh, riders who are riding for um, GB. Yeah, Leah Hayter, who I'm not going to say... Yeah, no, I'm not going to say it, but he is the younger brother of Ethan Hayter, who's um, just... But had a fantastic year, you know, in the company of Fred Wright of VCL, uh, continues to rip up trees, those two uh, riders. And Oscar, Oscar Nielsen Julian. Oscar Nielsen Julian, which is one of those names, like Miguel Angel Lopez, that we're going to be commentators in years to come. We're going to be going, Oscar Nielsen Julian. Who's a North Londoner, but we allow him as, a, town, isn't yeah, <laughs> as an honorary <laughs> South Londoner. Yeah. Yeah, you'll be familiar with uh, some of those names as well, Rebecca. Yeah, definitely. It just scares me a bit because I remember them racing the uh, track league when they were very, very small indeed. And uh, it's remarkable how, how the years fly by and the talent that has, yeah, I've got to say it, <laughs> all of us race at Herne Hill. Um, it's just phenomenal, isn't it? The talent that has come from so much development in, in the youth side of things is no getting away from it it's just incredible this is the ruler podcast supported by lacquer uh, insurance powered by the community i'm mark williamson and i've been a lacquer customer since the start of 2019 so about eight months now so i was on this new bike and stopped off at a coffee shop at a hotel just to send a few emails and make a call came out and found someone heard taken off um, the headset at the front, they'd cut the braking gear cables, they'd unscrewed the handlebars and stolen the, the, the bars and shifters. Lacquer were phenomenal actually. I was blown away by both the immediacy and the kind of helpfulness of the support. They seemed keen to help uh, and it was just a remarkably hassle-free experience. couldn't have been happier with the service despite being incredibly frustrated that somebody had decapitated my uh, my new bike 
And you can find out more about LACA's approach to insurance on laka.co.uk, L-A-K-A.co.uk. And don't forget the Ruler Classic, including uh, former world champion uh, Greg LeMond. Uh, tickets still available but selling fast, October the 31st and November the 2nd in London and uh, November the 20th in Melbourne for the first time this year. So, the big events this weekend, uh, women's elite uh, road race and men's elite road race. Let's start with the women. Um, do we think it's going to be Mariana Voss? Yeah. Okay, thanks, Ned. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that, Ned. Well, I mean, did you see did you see La Course this year, which is a dog's dinner of a race, of which <laughs> ASO should be thoroughly ashamed because they shunted around and they haven't settled. Anyway, that's another... But, but, but I say it's a dog's dinner of a race. It actually, the last couple of years, has produced a really good race, um, thanks to the way it's been raced by the racers, if you see what I mean, rather than the concept itself. Um, but the way Voss won that, Amanda Spratt had a lead going into the final few kilometres and it thought it was right in the balance and actually you thought, and but do you remember that, that finish in Tapeau where Julien Alaphilippe later on in the day won the time trial with that amazing sprint up that Betty's Tea Room style ramp, yeah? That was, that was where Voss caught Spratt and passed her. So she's done that on exactly that kind of finish and you're right it's tailor-made for Voss so but the only problem is that she is the tall poppy once again and she rides for the team that is going to be friendless because everyone no one's going to work with the Dutch because everyone knows they're the team to beat yeah always a danger is such a strong team very very much marked but yeah again for me um throwing back to the Giro Rosa this year and watching Mariana Voss just what she could do when it was like we've mentioned the lumpiness what she can do on the climbs and still be there and then inject the pace at the end and almost ride away and we saw her do that a few times in the Giro this year and on a course like this that could be very interesting to watch but having said that going back to your original question is she going to win it you know there are so many key contenders as well and it is certainly not going to be an easy job um, as such a watch rider and a watch nation as well yeah it's a long race and the weather could be very unpredictable yeah but that's no problem for Voss, is it? She's, don't forget, she's won in Yorkshire this year already, the women's tour, and that stage into Scarborough, stage two, that she absolutely dominated, both tactically and physically. Uh, it was one of the strongest winds I've ever seen at a bike race. The first half due north was into this howling gale. Um, she's, uh, she's in the form of her life again. Um, and I thought it was very interesting that it's actually surprising for some maybe I don't, it's because I don't pay close enough attention to the world and I'm paying much closer attention this year than I have done in previous years because it's on our doorstep but I hadn't realised how seldom Voss has contested the individual time trial I think she's only raced it once or twice in her long career and once again she didn't race in the individual time trial she could have done and she could possibly even have won it you know who knows without um, Daigat Owen but Van der Breggen and Van Fluten did and I wonder, I wonder how much that might have taken out of Van der Breggen and Van Vluten and how much that might mean in terms of the way the Dutch are going to play their cards. So if not Marianne Vos, if something holds her back, who do you reckon then? Well, you know who else is going to like this weather? Lizzie Dagdon. Yep. <laughs> and I mean, for her, these roads... She really does know them like the back of her hand. It is on her doorstep, her home race. And for me, watching her in the Ovo Energy Women's Tour this year, of course, she took the overall victory. That was just nine months after having her first daughter, Orla, um, which is just remarkable. And I, you know, we knew how much she dedicated, um, how much support she'd had to come back for that. But 
the raw emotion when she took the overall general classification I think even herself she's thinking wow you know this is this is a special performance so for her this is a really big deal she's in incredible form she knows the roads and she loves a bit of wet weather <laughs> quite lightly raced though isn't she I mean you know and that's not a criticism she is exceptionally you know coming back from very recent childbirth so so maybe that's part of it but maybe it's also because she's been very focused on this race actually and hasn't wanted to jeopardize you know and, and actually um yeah i my, my i keep coming back to i'm not totally sold on the strength of the team this year and i wonder i mean what's it going to be rebecca it's double barns isn't it it's a d- double barns situation we've got anna henderson anna in there henderson, um and yep. she yeah she's someone to talk about because i i've um been commentating a lot on eurosport on the um sort of british road series for the women this year and and, and you know these riders start to emerge, don't they? And you're saying, oh, well, this is a race that suits her. Oh, well, this, this course suited her. Well, actually, no, she's just dominant. And she's winning in so many different scenarios. Yeah. And having her on this squad, a very young rider, yeah. she's a former alpine skier. Yeah. And so what she's got is the technical nous in weather, like we're probably yeah, going to have. Yeah. <laughs> um, she is that. just a fearless descender. She works tirelessly for her teammates as well as finishing off the win herself in, in, you know, in certain races this season. I think we've seen her play that role uh, you know, on both sides of it very, very successfully. So she's an interesting yeah. one. She's got a super fast finish, hasn't she? And of course, now I've really just, having, said, having said, having questioned the strengths of the team, I'm now completely backing out of that. And I'm actually going to say it is a strong team. <laughs> Lizzie Banks as well. She took a stage win from a breakaway albeit at the Giro Rosa but she executed she she won solo didn't she Uh, she attacked that breakaway group quite a long way out I think and and held on to win in great style so she's she'll be a useful ally yeah I mean the day you're referring to she just went and went and went again and and no one was making it easy for her but once she had got that that winning move it it stuck and she made it stick that was a really impressive ride for me because we've known she's strong um but for me it was the ability to just go back it up get marked go again and that could be very very instrumental in in riding for lizzie i think it'd be really i think it'd be a big mistake just to think this is lizzie versus the dutch um, because there are other big teams and big players. Um, I, I think Ashley Moorman Passio, I think she, she's waited quite a long time this year to get that first win, but it came a few weeks ago. So she's obviously timing her season quite well, I think. And Australians should never be discounted, should they? And Amanda Spratt seems so versatile and she's capable of riding on roads like this. And the other name that immediately springs to mind, just because of the performance she did on the mixed, what's it called? The mixed relay team time trial or whatever it's called, was Elisa Longo-Borghini. Now, Italy made a tactical horlicks of that race by not waiting for her when she punctured. But she, the way she chased back on and then when she got to the other two, actually kind of attacked that final climb and they missed up on the bronze medal by a couple of seconds suggests that uh, she is... Uh, she is an amazing writer, right isn't she? She is she's, amazing, yeah. she, she's brilliant. There's been a lot of talk about home advantage for um, Lizzie Dynion. Um, but actually, that can work both ways, can't it? There can be too much pressure from a, from a home crowd or expectation. Yeah. Well, um, last night when I came in, I, I was hosting um, an event with HSBC UK and British Cycling, and I had the pleasure of sitting down and having a good chat with um, Danny Rowe and Sir Chris Hoy. And we were talking about that element, of course, the legacy of, of having the Worlds here, but also about the home crowds and how some riders are able to massively channel that. And other times it's a case of having to really cope with how much pressure that brings and actually both Danny and Chris were saying that of course they they worked uh, with a psychologist ahead of um, you know the home Olympics for example but 
it can be so overwhelming to yeah. know how many eyes are on you and, and the pressure of that. But they, you know, both obviously channeled that in the right direction. And I think, again, Lizzie will be very, very well-versed th- in how to she, do that. I think she does feel the pressure, actually. I think she wears the pressure quite heavily, Lizzie, uh, which isn't to say that she won't respond but I think it's not. She's not natural. She doesn't naturally enjoy it. And doesn't certainly doesn't like being in the spotlight at all, and has been actually quite uh, reticent and quite hard to reach and quite invisible in the build-up to this race. Super focused. It'll be interesting to see how she deals with that because um, I, I don't think she naturally embraces it. To put it that way, but in the right way, she could use it to her advantage. We'll see. Yeah, and I think that focus is is key. Yeah, very focused. It's going to be it's going to be an interesting race, isn't it? Oh yeah. I mean, it's been a characteristic. I've been fortunate enough to do a lot of commentary, as you have, Rebecca, this year. And and I don't do enough women's commentary. But every time I do, it's just so fascinatingly different and so um, less predictable and so tactically um, nuanced. It it seems to me that women's racing um, is much more dynamic. That, that, you know, you get breaks that don't stay out all day. They they, they, they go, they come back, and then there's counterattacks. It's just more interesting, honestly. I've, yeah, it's I've frequently more much more interesting to watch yeah. as a spectator, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Okay, men's race, um, 285 kilometres of it. It's a little bit of a long way, isn't it? Isn't it it's the longest ever? I don't know. Um, I think you're, I feel, you're, I feel you're the bloke like who wrote the uh, road book. You should know. Oh no, it's the other. It's the other fellow who. Yeah, should I know. don't do facts <laughs> <laughs> in the road book. The other fellow does the facts. No, I think it is something like the or in the modern era or something like that. I think it's the well, longest. Well, let's, let's go with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it is. It is. Yeah, we've just made <laughs> it. We've just made it. It's because it's the we've got an empty chair here. You know? Yeah. <laughs> no one's going to contradict us. Um, but w- whatever. It's a it's a blooming long yeah, race. Yeah, well, that doesn't necessarily make, make it better, does it? And no. I do one. I was thinking about this this morning. I think is it the longest? And if it is, it, it's, it might be one of those things that you know almost come from the PR department. Oh, can you just make it a kilometre longer than the longest one before so that we can say it's the longest yeah. one can ever? Can you go around Harrogate 14 times? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, could, it could backfire a little bit on the race, that, that obscene length. You never quite know. I mean, for sure, it's not going to be attacking all the way, is it? There's going to be a few hours where we can have a, a sandwich and a bit of a nap. Well, the, the, the worlds also do tend to be attritional, don't they? They go on for ages and people drop off. Some people deliberately drop off because it's not their job to finish. But yeah. you know, sooner or later, you end up with a much smaller field Always, yeah. uh, uh, always Sometimes the it's world. the entire Great Britain team. <laughs> yes. Well, yes, let's not <laughs> mention showered that. <laughs> and in the pub before the race is even finished. Let's not mention those years. I'll ask a very similar question. Is it going to be Matthew van der Poel? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the problem with predictions is they're all based on events in the future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's accurate. Name. I don't know. It's very, t- it's very tempting to say. But again, you know, it, like we said about the, the women's race, everyone knows that van der Poel is the, the guy who can't come to the finish. He can't because... 500 metres to go when he turns right, Van der Poel wins. And I can see no other scenario other than Van der Poel wins. So they can't afford for that to happen. And, you know, you only need to think about how difficult one-day races are to control and think about Mark Cavendish and Box Hill in London 2012. Everyone knew don't take Cavendish to the mouth because he'll win. So there are ways of, there are ways of racing against a team, aren't there? And um, everyone will try and disrupt the script for the Dutch. And that will be the, that will be the narrative, I think. Um, my, 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 you know, obviously doomed to failure, hipster, outsider choice. I've got a couple, actually. You know, if, if it's not going to be Van der Poel, why not? Why not Sam Bennett? I don't think he'd be daunted. It depends what group comes to the end. Obviously, if Van der Poel's there, he'll have his work cut out. But if Van der Poel isn't there and Bennett is there, that would be a finish that he would not shy away from at all, be perfectly suited to it. Um, and also, 
with respect to the Republic of Ireland, he's got strong support, but they're a relatively small team in inverted commas, so they can kind of float around the margins of the big, the big guns sort of doing battle, can't they? Um, and, and another team, uh, another rider to mention, simply because Italians know how to go about one-day racing, is Matteo Trentin, you know? Again, he might be too much of a favourite to, to escape in a group, but if he does, they're just wily, and if he gets in a group... Van der Poel and then Trentin you know you can see that being the, the gold silver sort of yeah situation. well I've just come off the back of the um, tour of Britain and so was treated to that very close battle between Van der Poel and Trentin which Van der Poel won which he did yes Trentin of course not in the position he wanted to be in second overall um, in the fight for the green jersey um, but yeah that was a very interesting dynamic there and yeah I think even we, we knew uh, what Van der Poel could do in certain scenarios but I think like you were saying about the obvious disruption we can expect you know he was navigating his his riding around that so successfully in the Tour of Britain that was interesting but you know very lumpy very long but he'll he'll love the weather as well. Well, I mean, Amstel <laughs> Gold was about seven hundred kilometres long as well, wasn't it? And well, this, this is a very good point. So, so he's not, <laughs> the, 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 the distance isn't an issue for Van der Poel at all. Um, no, uh, you know the other team that absolutely merit mentioning are Belgium, Evenepoel, 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 Evenepoel. You know, or, or if it's not going to be him, how about Philippe Gilbert? You know, while you were at the Tour of Britain, I was commentating at the Vuelta, and um, Gilbert. Yeah, uh, seething still that he wasn't selected for the Tour de France and you know has just gone alright you're not going to so I'll go and win the world championships and that'll teach you and he used you know used the Vuelta as he often does to prepare for or often did back in the day to prepare for the worlds um, and uh, and by the way he picked up two stage wins at the Vuelta in brilliant trademark Gilbert fashion so uh, and everywhere you look across the Belgian team they are a bit like they're like De Koenig Quickstep aren't they they've got winners everywhere I just mentioned for Tim de Klerk, who will be riding in support for Belgium. His father, Carol, is coming to support him, um, having rearranged his schedule, and he's managed to get free and changed an event he was supposed to be at on Sunday. But he's coming to the men's road race instead. Um, do you know what he does for a trade? He's one of Belgium's most famous stand-up comedians, and he changed his gig. So he's coming to support his son instead. So that is pretty much uh, the end of this podcast in Harrogate. Someone in the bar has put the TV on so we can go and watch the uh, time trial. Um, Thanks to Ned. Thanks to Rebecca. Enjoy the world. We'll be back in October. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 